Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Worship at Hillhead, um, and a special welcome if you're visiting with us this morning. Our worship is led by our minister, Katrina, and is the second of our short series exploring the life of our church as we start to move towards a process of discernment. As well as Katrina leading our worship, we will hear the voices of the other Katrina and Will reading scripture, Elham and Ali leading the Lord's Prayer, and in a moment, Benjamin and Bardia will light our candle. Our musician this morning is Paul. In family news, we were delighted to hear that Katrina Hogg's sister Eleanor got engaged to her partner Paul yesterday. Um, so we pass on our congratulations to Eleanor. Um, we were given formal notice last week for a church meeting, which will take place next Sunday morning. This meeting will take place during our morning worship. Um, because that meeting's happening during morning worship, there won't be any Sunday school. Um, we encourage the children and young people to participate as much as they feel able, but we'll provide some activities in case they need some distraction. Um, and finally, a wee reminder that there are no evening reflections this evening. Um, it's now time for Benjamin and Bardia to light our candle. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ like this day. Oh, 
And let's come to God in prayer. Let us pray together. God, who is love, as we gather for worship this day, we pray that you will surround us with your love so that we may feel held, safe and welcome. We pray too that you will fill us with your love so that we may be gentle, kind and compassionate to ourselves and to each other. Christ, who is the word of God, as we listen for your voice today, we pray that you would open our minds to hear and to understand what you are speaking. We pray too that you would enable us to speak and to listen attentively to one another. Spirit, who is the wisdom of God, as we discern this day, we pray that you would stir within us new energy and enthusiasm. We pray too that you would empower us for the challenges of everyday life that lie ahead of us. Love, word and wisdom, trinity in unity, accept us, accept our worship and accept our prayers. Amen. ای پدر من که در آسمانی نام تو مقدس ملکوت تو برقرار گردد اراده تو آنچنان که در آسمان ها جاری است در زمین نیز اجرا شود نان روزانه ما را امروز و هر روز به ما عطا فرما از غرض و گناه ما بگذر همانطور که ما از غرض و گناه دیگران میگذریم ما را در شریر میاول بلکه از شریر محفوظ بدار که ملکوت و جلال تا عبد الاباد از آن توست. آمین. So if you were to read almost any book on the subject of mission, church health, church growth or discernment, one of the first things it would advise you to do is to recall and retell the story of your church from its foundation right to the present day. And usually they suggest you do that as a timeline. They also usually suggest you look wider than your own immediate church. Look at your local context. What's been going on around you? What are the churches doing? What's happening in your village, your town, your city? What's going on in your nation? What's going on in the world? And that's quite a long exercise. And we don't have time to do anywhere near that today. But just by way of a warm-up, we're going to do a little bit of a quiz. See how many people know any of our history. So, question one, if we exclude students and associates, how many full-time ministers has Hillhead Baptist Church had in its 140-year history? And if you're online and you know the answer, wave at me. If you're on site, feel free to shout it out. Thank you, Neil. Bang on. Ten. Yes. <laughs> Neil is the expert on our church history. We have had ten ministers, so the average time a minister has served here is 14 years. Some have been much longer, some have been much shorter. Um, the longest was John Forbes, and the shortest was Bruce Keeble. Does anybody know how long either of those, or can guess how long either of those was our minister for? So John Forbes was the longest... Bruce Keeble was the shortest. 
Oh, very good, Neil. <laughs> hey, it's just the day that Neils are on fire, isn't it? Absolutely. Seven, 27 years for John Forbes and six years, there or thereabouts, for Bruce Keeble. I'm, I'm working with round years because that's the information I've got. Okay, since I arrived in 2009, how many people have been baptised in our church? And some of them are, are on site and some of them are on, online. So uh, let me give you a clue. There's Nassie and Bethany. There's Morag. There's Elham and Ali. There is Esan and Anis. There was, Ray, uh, there was Debbie. There was Paul and Sylvia. And if I got that right, that should come to 10. So we've had 10 baptisms in the, the 13 and a half years I've been here. Okay. In the year 2000, when the church did its census figures for the Baptist Union, Scotland or Great Britain, because they send the same numbers to both of them, how many children and young people were there connected to our church? So the year 2000, how many children and young people? Children is not 10, young people is 11 to 18. So how many people, 18 and under, do you think we reported having in our church in the year 2000? Anybody want to have a guess? 18? Lower. Lower. Higher. <laughs> it was 12. It was, we reported 12 children and young people. And... If you count the babies, we're actually, I think, around about 18 now, as of, this, as of today. So certainly not less and possibly a few more. Okay, compared to when I arrived in 2009, do you think the number of people in covenanted membership of our church is higher, lower, or about the same? Can I have a guess? I mean, there's nothing lost, is there, by having a guess? I'm not going to shout at you. I think people whisper So about the same, a little bit higher. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is about the same, yeah. Um, if you look at the actual reported numbers, it looks as if it was considerably higher. But not long after I came, we sat down and went through and realised there were a lot of people who'd moved away whose names had never, or people who'd been promoted to glory whose names have never been taken off so we did a bit of a prune but we are around the same we have we did go down a little bit and it's come back up but overall in terms of numbers attending i wonder what you think that's like before covid the number of people on site in the hotel would have been on average 35 40 week by week so do you think we are now combined on site and online and you can count so this is an easy one lower higher or about the same so are we more or less than 35 to 40? I think about the same, more. <laughs> um, I think we are, generally speaking, we are higher. Um, typically around 50-ish, 50, 50 to 60 um, combined on site and online. It varies between the two, week by week. Now, you need to keep in mind that memories are imperfect and storytellers and ministers are biased. I've chosen which questions to ask to try and promote some particular thoughts. Telling our story is a risky business, but it is also an important business because it's only by knowing our story we can discover the riches it offers.
And so we're going to sing one of uh, our well-loved songs now, and as we do so, the children and young people are going to move to their own explorations. Thanks, Paul. reading this morning is from Psalm 27. Lord, you are my light and my saviour, so why should I be afraid of anyone? The Lord is where my life is safe, so I will be afraid of no one. He will protect me when I am in danger. He will hide me in his tent. He will take me up to his place of safety. If he will help me defeat the enemies around me, I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. I will sing and play songs to honour the Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Be kind and answer me. My heart told me to come to you, Lord, so I am coming to ask for your help. Don't turn away from me. Don't be angry with your servant. You are the only one who can help me. My God, don't leave me all alone. You are my saviour. Even if my mother and father leave me, 
the Lord will take me in. I have enemies, Lord, so teach me your ways. Show me the right way to live. My enemies have attacked me. They have told lies about me and have tried to hurt me. But I really believe that I will see the Lord's goodness before I die. Our New Testament reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, not quite the beginning. My brothers and sisters, I urge you in by the name of our Lord Jesus, the anointed, to come together in agreement. Do not allow anything or anyone to create division among you. Instead, be restored, completely fastened together with one mind and shared judgment. I have heard troubling reports from Chloe's people that you, my siblings, are consumed by fighting and petty disagreements. What I have heard is that each of you is taking sides, saying, I am with Paul, or I am with Apollos, or I am with Cephas, or I am with the Anointed One. Has the anointed one been split up into many small pieces? Do you think Paul was crucified for you? Were you ceremonially washed through baptism into the name of Paul? Absolutely not. Now, I'm thankful that I baptized only Crispus and Gaius, so none of you can falsely declare you were baptized in my name. Now wait, as I think on it, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. If there are others in your community whom I baptized, I cannot recall at this moment. The mission given to me by the Anointed One is not about baptism, but about preaching good news. The point is not to impress others by spinning an eloquent intellectual argument that type of rhetorical showboating would only nullify the cross of the anointed. For people who are stumbling toward ruin, the message of the cross is nothing but a tall tale for fools by a fool. But those of us who are already experiencing the reality of being rescued and made right it is nothing short of God's power.
One kind of writing is to write history. History is a verifiable, demonstrable record of facts and some degree of explanation or interpretation. Stories and songs are another kind of writing whose purpose is very different, and I would like to suggest greater than that of simple recording of historical facts. Stories explore ideas. They help us to make meaning. Whether it was those dreadful Victorian moral tales for children, or whether it is the contemporary docudramas reflecting on recent events, it's not just about informing or educating, but actually to get us thinking, to change our hearts and to change our minds. And whilst non-fiction generally is very uh, factual, quite scientific in its writing, poetry and songs use metaphors and symbols and images. They're trying to evoke a response from the reader. In the stories that churches tell, there is another really important factor, and that is the spiritual. A lot of work has been done by academic Christian historians to work out how do we go about recognising and explaining or recording the divine in history. And they basically conclude that you can't. You can't write in a history book or a historical account that God did X because you can't go away and prove it. But the stories that churches tell are informed by their belief that God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are really part of what's going on. So it shouldn't surprise us to see scripture or hymns or even mentions of God's very self in what we recall and record. We've heard two of today's lectionary readings that give different examples of faith-informed writing, a song, the psalm, and a letter. And I hope that as you listened to the psalm, you felt mostly encouraged, reminding that God, God is active, and perhaps thinking of times when God felt very close to you. But actually, I was more fascinated by the extract from the letter, because it's kind of funny almost, quite clumsy, isn't it? I didn't baptise anybody. Oh, yeah, I, oh, yes, I did. Well, I can't remember who else I baptised. It isn't neat and tidy. It's a messy story, a messy letter written to real people in a complicated situation. And this was a church that was in disarray. Now, don't read anything into that because I'm definitely not suggesting we're in disarray. Far from it. But this was a church in which people had different views, different opinions, and, and that would be true for us too. So imagine if nobody had written down the story or written this letter about this church where there were lots of different views and people were trying to work it out. What might we have missed out on learning from them? And what ideas might it prompt for us as we think about our own story? I'm just going to show you on the screen a PowerPoint, and I hope everybody can read it. It is going to be quite small. Um, oh, yeah, I can't really read that at all. Might be better for the people online, for the people on site, it's virtually invisible. Um, this week, I got out a huge piece of paper and I put a timeline going from 1880 to the present day. 
the beginnings of a timeline of the story of Hillhead Baptist Church. And I marked on the ministers, which is how I know how long each one served, though very grateful to Neil, who researched the ones I couldn't find, who'd um, been in post since the last history was written, and I was quite not quite sure of all their dates. I've also put on the mission churches, and I've put on some significant events. Hopefully you can see that one a bit better. But this is just the last 20 or so years so the ministers in that last, tw Bruce Keeble was here, then Colin Bond, then there was a gap, then you've had me for quite a long time now. Things have gone on outside of us. Uh, there was the establishment of the Scottish Parliament, there was the independence referendum, there was the EU referendum. We've had the COVID pandemic. All sorts of different things that have been going on. So what I want you to do for a couple of minutes, and I'm going to take that off. But I am recording this because I think it will be interesting to put as part of our timeline, is for people to share any thoughts you've had over this week of things that were significant in the lifetime of our church as a whole or the time that you've been in it. And you, you have had nearly a week's notice. So I'm hoping somebody's got something to share. If you haven't, well, hey, I'm just going to look stupid, but that's fine. Anybody want to share anything that you think has been significant it might be personal, it might be your baptism, your wedding, um, it might be about what the congregation has done, it might be something outside of us, but something that's been important to our story. And if you're online, please just unmute and speak out. The Commonwealth Games, the day that we had everybody in the Trist watching the race and everyone was rooting for the Welshmen. <laughs> Yep, so, so Katrina's recalling when we did the, the Commonwealth Games in 2014, we did a live stream of the cycle road race, and there was the Welshman who I think was coming second, and he's, he's got a puncture, and then he's going a bit further, and his bike broke again, and we were, we were all rooting for the Welshman who did actually get the medal. So, yep, so that was a really exciting thing, wasn't it, that we, we the Commonwealth Games in 2014. Thank you. What else? Brian. It's a very broad thing, but in the 1990s, um, this church has always aspired to be tolerant. But in the 1990s, as part of our review at that time, discernment at that time, we encouraged each other to move from tolerance to affirmation. Um, and I think that that was a very important change which has driven the life of our church since. Thank you, Brian. I'm just going to try and summarise that um, for the people on, on, online. So in the 1990s, a church that had always seen itself as tolerant began to be more intentionally moving towards affirmation. Is that a fair summary? And that's hugely important. Thank you, Brian, because this is, this is part of the character of our church over a long time. So thank you. And the formation of the young adults group in round about 1990. Thank you. Yes. Uh, so Paul... P has remembered the formation of a young adults group around about 1990. Roughly, how long did that last, Paul? Do you know? Oh, quite a long time. Brilliant. So, so long-term friendships that have emerged from that. So that's really important. Thank you. Come on, people online. I'm sure you've got something. Brian, again, go on. Uh, I just realised in, in doing saying what I'm saying, uh, there's, a, there's an important word missing. It's moving from tolerance of diversity to affirmation of diversity. Thank you. So toler from tolerance of diversity to affirmation of diversity. And I think we also, if I can add on, we attempt to celebrate 
diversity. We don't always get it right, but, but yeah, thank you. Brilliant. There must be more things. I'm going to just give another minute or so. Um, but there's some really rich stuff there. We might, you know, we can only just nibble at the edges of it, but really rich stuff. Anita, sorry. I was thinking about, again, not a specific date, but the programme that we did for a good many years around the West End Festival, and just that. Thank you. Um, the discourse and the open kind of for folk to come in and yeah. be part of that. So, so Anita was recalling the West End Festival and the, the openness, the discourse. I certainly remember the philosophy cafes. I seem to remember we had a wee Kaylee at one point when I was here. And obviously, it all predates me, but many, many years of actively engaging in the West End Festival, uh, inviting people to come in to our, our premises and enjoy themselves and, and engage in discourse. Thank you. Joan. The increase in the number of people from diverse countries that are now associated with our church. Thank you. So, so Joan has noticed the, the increase in people from diverse countries. I think on our Facebook pages it is now. It says we currently have 15 nationalities. We do divide the British Isles up into all its constituent countries to do that. But even so, we have um, a very diverse number of, of countries represented. So we can go on mulling over that. We're not going to do it all today, but these are important things for us to think about. I also asked people um, about songs this week, and Bethany suggested the song that we're going to hear next. And with her permission, I'm sharing what she wrote in her email. Every time I listen to it, I feel inspired to go out and do something positive and good in the world. Quite like how I feel my faith makes me want to go out and do good. I feel it represents HBC's values of promoting a peaceful, loving and understanding environment where everyone is welcome. And I hope this becomes part of our discernment process where I feel passionate about spreading that love within our community. So we're going to listen to that song now and the words are on your service sheets because you may not be familiar with them, but you don't have to sing along, don't worry. And each time I feel like this inside, there's one thing I want to know. What's so funny about these love and understanding? What's so funny about peace, love and understanding? When I was inducted as the minister at Hillhead, we shared in making a covenant together that centred on five core values of worship, inclusion, mission, prophetic and sacrifice. And many times since then, we have renewed that covenant. And I did once rather mischiefly, mischievously refer to it as the WIMPs covenant because if you arrange the words in the right order, their initial letters oops, spell out the word wimps. I'm hoping you can see that without my face in the way. Um, I can't, but that's okay. So these are the five core values that we covenant together. That we're called to be a worshipping people, seeking and celebrating the God who journeys with us, 
and open to the spirit in the whole of life. That we're called to be an inclusive people, pulling down walls of prejudice and welcoming the stranger. A missionary people, demonstrating in word and action the redeeming power of God in the world. A prophetic people, working for justice, resisting violence and challenging the abuse of power. And to be a sacrificial people, risking uncertainty, becoming vulnerable and reflecting the generosity of God. I'm going to invite you for a few minutes to chat with others about how you see evidence of some of those values in our story. When the people on site came in, there were letters on your chairs, and I kind of had it in my head that we would have enough seats filled that we could just turn to those nearby us to talk about the value that has the letter we were given. I'm conscious we've got a couple of people who are sitting on their own towards the back, so I wonder um, if those at the back might like to come and join those at the front just to form a small group here, and you can, whichever letter you've got, that's fine. Those who are online... I am going to be super mean today because I'm actually doing the auto-fling system of breakout groups. You will be put into breakout groups. If you are in room one, if you find yourself in room one, you are W, that's a worship. If two, um, I, three M, four P and five S. I will put that in the chat. I'm going to open those rooms now. So we've got three or four minutes to talk to those near to you who have the same letter about how you've seen evidence of that value, if you can remember what it was, in our church. Thank you. Okay, if you can just start to draw those uh, very short conversations to a close. Um, people are starting to return to us from their breakout rooms. Um, I'm not quite sure how many seconds they've got till they get flung back. Um, they should be flung back about now, apparently. So thank you, everybody, um, for that. Um, Those who had worship as their theme, is there anything, I'm sure there is something, whether you're online or on site, that you would like to feed back around worship that you've discussed? It'd be good to hear. Um, Grace, I think you were waving to me. Oh, you can't hear me. Paul, they can't hear me. Could you turn the the, um, sound on from the tech desk, please? Um, I I did just ask them. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Um, Sorry about that. Um, Can you hear me now? Yeah, I don't know what happened then. Maybe something about the breakout rooms, who knows? Apologies for that. So we're going to start with W and worship. So if your group, wherever you are, spoke about worship, um, one or two thoughts to share back with us. So I think that would be the group one on... Are you not hearing me? Okay, somebody's got a mic open at the moment. Morag, let me Morag, your mic's open. Let me just mute you. Oh, thank you. So, if you were, if you were the worship group, on site or online, and you'd like to feed something back, please do. We can cut that bit out of the recording. It'll be fine. Okay, worship's just boring and irrelevant, right? Okay, Katrina. Not just focus on worship being what we do here on a Sunday morning. 
Okay, so worship is more than what we do when we gather together on a Sunday morning. And I guess by inference, what we do together on a Sunday morning ought to somehow inform what we do the rest of the time, maybe. Okay, thank you. Anybody online who, who spoke about worship, or anything they'd like to share? <laughs> As people look at each other that they can't decide whether they want to share anything. Oh, Ian's leaning forward. Go on, Ian, go for it. Everybody was muted. Well, our, our group didn't function, unfortunately. Your group uh, didn't function? Oh, dear. The online things, the um, people didn't have microphones and we, we couldn't talk, so so we, ref we just reflected between ourselves. Reflected with yourself. Well, that's fine. If you have a reflection you had amongst yourselves, feel free to share that. Okay, let's move on to inclusion, which clearly didn't quite work on this particular occasion. Those on site who were looking at inclusion, any, any thoughts you would like to feed back to us? Did anybody look at inclusion? We may, with all the shift, thank you, Holly, your group, yeah, okay. Anybody else? I mean, if there isn't anything, that's fine. Um, Thank you. So what Holly was saying was that if in a lot of churches, the leadership may not reflect the membership. This is me paraphrasing and slightly interpreting, so put me right if I'm wrong. Uh, but over for a number of years now, we've been quite intentional that our, our managers court, our trustees, our deacons, if you want to call them, reflect the diversity of our church in terms of gender, sexuality, age, nationality, ethnicity. Is that a reasonable summary? <coughs> Thank you. Anybody online who managed to actually speak to each other, <laughs> look at look at inclusion. Grace. Yeah, I mean, our group was great because we had people from different countries and people who joined different times over over uh, many years or a small number of years. And you guys yell out if I'm misrepresenting you, but we basically all found the same, that the church was very welcoming of people from diverse backgrounds and that's part of the richness of, of what Hillhead is to us. Thank you. And I think that's very similar um, from, from both places. Thank you very much, Grace. Okay, moving on to mission or missionary. Anybody on site get the M and have a chat around that? Sneak cheap and turn it upside down and pretend it was a W. Uh, yes, Anita. Thank you. So um, Anita was recalling from Holly's prayers last week the image of large windows to look out and to look in and recognising that in our current 
context, our current situation, we need to relook at all of that because it's more difficult to be a visible presence. Is that a reasonable summary of what you've said? Okay, anybody online look at mission and want to share anything? Okay, so prophetic then, this is the injustice and justice kind of area. Did anybody look at that one? Okay, thank you. This church has, in the Baptist Assembly, uh, spoken out very clearly in favour of that. What the Assembly uh, was a long time to accept, did accept the Scottish Assembly, but very few churches have followed the example and uh, actually appointed women ministers. Okay, thank you. So for those on site online, Graham was recalling the um, long struggle in the Baptist Union of Scotland regarding the ordination of women, accreditation of women as ministers, and this pivotal role that Hill had played in that over many, many, many years. Uh, 1999, the Baptist Union of Scotland um, finally agreed to permit that, and 2009, Hill had appointed the first Soul charge one. I was not the first woman minister in Scotland by a long, long way, but I was the first one in soul charge. And I think we do see things are better now, don't we, Laura? It's uh, it's moved a long way in that time. So thank you. Anybody online look at the prophetic justice topic? Uh, doesn't look like anybody wants to speak. That's fine. So then we come to sacrifice then. This is about risking uncertainty, becoming vulnerable and reflecting the generosity of God. So an easy one then to finish up with. Anybody look at that one? Anyone chat around sacrificial? Because it might be that all the empty chairs had the S's on, so you might have got away with that one. Okay, well, that, that, that's been brilliant. And obviously, again, it, you, you're probably, if you're like me, a little bit frustrated that we haven't had enough time to do any of that properly. But recalling the richness of our story in which these values have mattered, have been expressed and continue to be important to who we are and what we want to do. Way back when I was a student, which is a very long time ago now, um, in the college I was at, we used to sing a hymn that was written by a congregational minister and it is in Baptist praise and worship. But it seemed to me that it fitted quite well with the process we're going through at the moment. Give to me, Lord, a thankful heart and a discerning mind. And I think we could say give to us, Lord, a thank thankful hearts and discerning minds. Thank you, Paul.
So our prayers today are explicitly informed by the five core values of our WIMPs covenant. Let's pray together. Wonderful God, you call us to be a worshipping people, seeking and celebrating the God who journeys with us and open to the spirit in the whole of life. As a worshipping community, we begin with our prayers for each other, aware that for so many of us, life is challenging, worrying, and sometimes overwhelming. We pray for all who are ill or infirm, who grieve or mourn, or who are worried about daily life. From our prayer calendar, we name before you Edith F., Esan and Anis, Rachel F. and family, Paul F., Lily, Clifford, Laura, Dave, Rory and Arthur, Jenny and Richard. May our worship find expression in our practical support and care. Incarnational God, you call us to be an inclusive people, pulling down walls of prejudice and welcoming the stranger. In this week, when so much hurt, harm and distress has been caused by decisions surrounding the Gender Recognition Bill in Scotland and marriage in the Church of England, we pray for all directly affected. Recognising tr that true inclusion, which values diversity and engages creatively with difference, seems impossible. Help us to be gracious and generous, whilst holding fast the assurance that you love and welcome all your children. Mysterious God, you call us to be a missionary people, demonstrating in word and action the redeeming love of God in the world. We pray for those siblings in Christ who serve you in the Baptist Union of Scotland and through BMS World Mission. BMS ask our prayers for their work in Thailand, a beautiful country with freedom of expression and of faith. We pray for those who serve as teachers in schools and colleges, for those who provide compassionate care for children with disabilities, and for those planting churches. As they are sent in Christ's name, may they be salt and light. This week, Baptist Union of Scotland asks our prayers for national and international Baptist organisations, specifically naming themselves the Baptist Union of Scotland, the Baptist Union of Great Britain, the Baptist Union of Wales, and the Baptist World Alliance. We pray for those who serve in these complex and diverse roles, overseeing and supporting ministers and churches, responding to local challenges, and attempting all of it in the service of God. Powerful and practical God, 
You call us to be a prophetic people, working for justice, resisting violence and challenging the abuse of power. In this week, when news reports have been filled with the faces and voices of powerful political leaders from around the globe, we are reminded both that we are called to speak truth to power and to pray for all in powerful roles and positions. So we pray for leaders and for nation states, thinking especially of Iran, Ukraine, Russia, asking that wisdom and compassion might enable a more hopeful future. We pray for prisoners, for refugees and asylum seekers who remain powerless, whilst powerful nations and leaders debate them as a problem to be solved rather than people to be loved. Self-emptying God, we are called to be a sacrificial people, risking uncertainty, becoming vulnerable, becoming vulnerable and reflecting the generosity of God. It's relatively easy for us in the safety of a Western nature, nation where we have freedoms protected by law to pray for those in complex and dangerous situations. Recalling how, in Jesus, you emptied yourself of power and entered our lived experience, not to criticise or condemn it, but to transform it. We end our prayers by offering ourselves again in your service. To be wimps for Jesus, taking risks and living out our values in every moment of every day. Amen.
wonderful, mysterious, powerful, practical and self-emptying God walk with us as we go from this moment into the uncertainty and messiness of the week ahead. And may God's love surround us and God's peace fill us now and always. Amen. <laughs>